Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. Morning, church. I'm Pastor Steve, as Heather said. Uh, I hope you had an awesome week showing people Jesus. Uh, If you would fill out the Connect card, that would be awesome. If you're new, uh, we'll send you an invite to a meet and greet, which uh, you'll get to hear more about New Stanton Church and maybe ask some questions, meet some of the staff. Uh, The giving baskets are in back. And I wanted to just say, uh, growing up, I always was impressed by my mom and dad. Um, They remained faithful and generous and gave and tithed. They raised four kids in a mobile home uh, in the 70s and 80s. My dad got laid off continuously from General Electric. And I, I remember sitting at the kitchen table watching my dad make out his bills and his tide check, shaking his head every, every, every week. And he would shake his head and he would say, man, I just don't know how we're going to make it this month. But every Sunday, that man handed one of us kids that tie check to put in the offering. And uh, I've shared that story before with all of you. And some people have said, you know what, we can't do that anymore. We we can't model that in front of our kids. Hey, some of us don't even write checks anymore. And a lot of younger generations, that is so true. But I want to challenge you to bring your kids into your online giving, your online banking. Show your kids how much money comes in and and where all that money goes because that's a really, really valuable life lesson uh, for the next generation to learn because they need to know that before they leave your house, right? Um, Let your kids see your faithfulness and your generosity. Let your kids see that you, you do support what God is doing, that you do bring the tithe. And as I, as I talked to, to Jared and Ed Kelly as they started working about, you know, supporting what God is doing and honoring God with your finances, I, I mentioned to them, you know what, God never says to give a tithe. Why? Because you can't give what's already God's. Scripture talks about bringing the tithe because it's God's anyway. So I just want to say thank you to my mom and dad, and also to parenting tip for the week, bring your kids in on your online banking. Even if you don't make checks anymore, even though the offering basket's in the back because of the pandemic, let your kids see your generosity. Let, bring your kids in. Make that a life lesson. All right. So we are in 1 Peter chapter 3 again this week. And we're going to pick up with verse 8 where we left off last week. Peter says, finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit. A blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days, 
must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Peter starts this section with finally, because this is the final section that he's going to tell people to submit to one another for the sake of showing people Jesus. He's told us to submit to authority. He's told us to submit to employers. He's told us to submit to one another as husband and wife and our spouse. And now he's saying, hey, church, all of you should love and submit to one another. This is how you should model the love of Jesus among you Christians. Why? Because people are watching. People are watching Christians. They're watching that we give an answer with love, and they are watching, and if they speak maliciously against us, they're supposed to have this gut check because of the way that we love. Even if they don't, Peter says, God will reward you for being like Jesus. As outsiders watch the way that we live, they are supposed to see Jesus. And as they watch us, only our missteps, only our mistakes will make headlines. But they are watching. They're watching how we relate to government, our employers, our spouse, and they're watching how we relate to one another in the church. In fact, it's easier for people to watch Christians now. Through modern technology, people can see your Facebook page. Uh, people online on the live stream are watching. It was amazing and humbling the last time we had a meet and greet just how many people had watched our church online before they ever stepped foot in this building. You see, people want to know how this will feel. They want to know if they'll be accepted. They want to know if they will experience love from you and from me. Verses 8 through 12 could be summed up in the phrase, love one another and be kind. Peter is encouraging this stress-filled and 
persecuted group of believers to speak love to one another, which is not always easy, right? Um, life can wear you down. Jobs can be stressful. Kids have a tendency to, to sap every ounce of mental, emotional, and physical strength you have, all because they won't put their sock on, and you need to get out the door. Uh, it is crazy how something as small as a sock can disturb your inner peace, right? <laughs> on the other hand, maybe, maybe the believers in Peter's day had an advantage. Shared adversity deepens the bond between people. Talk to somebody that's seen active duty in the military. And the one thing, maybe the only thing, that they miss are the deep relationships that they formed with others whose lives were literally intertwined with their own. Peter knows that this group of believers their lives are literally intertwined with one another. This is a life and death persecution time. And in that time, he encourages the church to embody three traits. And I'd like to share those with you this morning. If you're taking notes on your uh, fill-in-the-blank sheet, number one, Peter tells the believers to embody love. And Peter gets pretty specific about the kind of love that he means that we should share with one another. Let me show you what I mean with the words that he uses. He says, you should be like-minded. Now, some translations say you should live in harmony. And the idea behind like-minded isn't that we all think the same thing. Peter is not calling for uniformity. He's calling for unity. You and your spouse don't even always think alike, and it's okay. Uh, if you do, spoiler alert, one of you isn't thinking. <laughs> what Peter means is better captured in this phrase. In essentials, unity, because they're important. They're core to who we are. In non-essentials, whatever, li liberty, freedom of thought. But in all of those things... Love. Take a, take a glance around this room. You don't share everybody's views exactly in this room. We don't all think the same on politics. Not everyone likes guns as much as I do. It's okay. Uh, we don't all like cats. And it's okay. You can be wrong about that. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't send me emails. I'm joking. But hopefully, we can agree on the essentials. And those things should unite our hearts for the purpose of showing people Jesus. Things like all people are sinners and matter greatly to God. That everyone needs Jesus to be saved. And that it's our job as a church to use our gifts, our talents, and our abilities to draw people into a relationship with God and us. Because everyone needs Jesus to be saved. Why? So that, so that we can all grow up together and mature in our relationship until Jesus calls us home. In love, 
We should be able to keep the main thing, the main thing. Peter also says that our love should be sympathetic, which loves someone enough to understand where they're coming from. Peter says your love should be compassionate, which is a willingness to actually do something about someone else's suffering. The original language actually conveys something much deeper. Uh, and the word that Peter uses literally translated means, you should have good bowels, which is really, really odd, right? I mean, and, hey, how are your bowels today? Oh, I got really good bowels. Um, but we've, we use phrases similar to what Peter's talking about. We say things like, I have a gut feeling about this. Empathy is probably close to what Peter is talking about. He says, in love, when you are rejoicing, I should feel it in my spirit. When you hurt, I should feel it in my heart. Paul says it best in Romans 12, 15, I think. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Our love is to be genuine, not just lip service. Our love is to overlook the, the non-essentials. That's why we don't have a, a checklist for people to subscribe to when you come in the door to attend Newstand Church because God works all those things out. We just love one another in our differences. As a side note, there is still time to sign up for a connect group because, and I'll tell you what, love is experienced deeper in circles in small groups than it is in rows on Sunday morning. Connect groups are just more intimate and more relational. It's not that God doesn't work on Sunday mornings. You know, maybe Ty picks a song out for the worship set that just hits right where you are at and what you're going through, and I know you feel it because I've seen the tears. Or maybe God says something through me or during the prayer moment that you know was meant for you that week. How awesome is our God that you can have a rough week and God knows about it and speaks to it on Sunday. Well, Peter wraps up this nature of love and says, you know what? Your love should be humble. Not being proud keeps us from getting callous. As we love other people, we need to remember that we were once sinners too. We still stumble, but we are saved by the grace of God. Humility keeps our heart pliable in God's hands, which leads me beautifully to uh, the second trait Peter calls the church to embody. Peter tells the church to respond with blessings instead of hate. In other words, we are to embody mercy. And you've all heard the classic definition of grace and mercy. Grace is getting from God or others what we don't deserve. It's like pure blessing. It's just out of nowhere, thank you Jesus, grace. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve from God or others. Not getting what we do deserve. Look at verse 9 again. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. That's not getting what you deserve. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. 
when evil or insult comes, Peter is calling us to show mercy. This is where trusting Jesus gets really, really hard. It's tough because this is where we go from being treated with love, like, like we've been talking up above, to those times when we're not treated with love. I had a seminary professor that used to say, you know what, sometimes in the church, sheep bite. It's true. And it's not clear whether Peter is talking about those who do evil and have insults, whether they're from within the church or outside the church. Sheep do bite. But the truth is it doesn't matter whether it's inside or outside the church. Our character is to remain the same. We are called to respond with blessing. Now, this doesn't mean we can't stand up for the truth. It doesn't mean we can't fight for what's right. Because standing up against oppression and defending the weak are honorable, godly things. But how we do it, the spirit in which we do that becomes very, very important. Christians should not be known as an unruly mob that is always fighting or quarreling about something in a disrespectful way. We should not be the group that's always rushing to violence when we are mistreated. Peter is calling us to show mercy. The Christians in his day were being killed. and He's calling them to show mercy. Our, our knee-jerk response should not be to pay back evil for evil or insult for insult. Man, is that hard. I remember, oh, this was years ago. I was a young pastor. I was the, it was the first church I served as a senior pastor at. And a guy came to the church one day, and he had this sob story. His wife was in Pittsburgh. He was trying to get her to Erie and rent an apartment, and he needed some money. And church didn't have a budget for that. I had just had my birthday. I literally left him in my office, ran over to the house, and gave him all the cash, a couple hundred bucks that I got for my birthday. Because he said, hey, I'll be able to pay this back on Friday. Awesome, I'm here. I live next door. If I'm not here, I'm there. I figured out that he was lying to me after a couple Fridays went by. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, got taken. And then I was at the auto parts store one day. And I saw him trying to convince an auto part clerk to give him a free part. The auto part clerk was actually outside at his door at the car. And when he left, I stepped up to the window. And I said, hey, you remember me? The look on his face said, yes, he did. I said, you owe me a couple hundred bucks. He said, I'll have it to you Friday. I said, no, you won't. No, you won't. Don't lie to me. I said, and you, sir, are lucky that I am a Christian because the old me would have cost you more in medical expenses than you owe me. And I turned around and I walked away. That's probably not what Peter was talking about. <laughs> At the time, it was progress for me in my spiritual journey. <laughs> I tell that story because I think Peter had a story in his mind as he's writing this. 
Do you remember when Jesus was arrested? Evil men were coming to arrest Jesus, and he had done nothing wrong. What did Peter do? Lean over and say, Jesus, is this a fight that I should be involved in? And then stand down when Jesus said no? (laughs) No. The dude whipped out a sword and cut off somebody's ear. And the guy's lucky that Peter was a fisherman and not a soldier. He probably would have split him down the head. Jesus would have been raising somebody from the dead instead of putting his ear back on. Peter says, your knee-jerk response can't be evil for evil or insult for insult. We must respond in love. Jesus commanded us to love our enemies and show mercy. It's tough, but it shows people Jesus. Even if those people are sheep that bite, we are to love one another. Lastly, Peter encourages the believers to have a deep trust that God is good at running the universe. The love and mercy we display isn't always going to have the effect that we pray it will. Peter said, you know, who's going to harm you if, you if you do good? People are not always going to feel convicted about their malicious accusations or their persecution of the church. When we share the reason for the hope that we have, they are not always going to have a come-to-Jesus moment. Because in the words of Alfred from The Dark Knight Rises, some men can't be reasoned with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. That's right. The preacher's quoting Batman, and his name is Bane. (laughs) Peter's point is, most of the time when we do good, when we show love, people won't want to harm us. But if they do, God will make it right. He is really, really good at running the universe. Jesus spoke love and truth and died on a cross. But God raised him to life. This could almost be another message in the Better series from January. If I haven't listened to it, it's still on the website. Look at verse 17. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good and for doing evil. Verse 14. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Don't fear their threats. Don't be frightened. Why? Because God is really, really good at running the universe. He will make it right. Where is God calling you to trust him this morning? Where are you discouraged? Because you've been doing the right thing and the right thing, and it's not working out the way you thought it would. Where are you being tempted to cost somebody more in medical bills than what they owe you? What step of obedience are you afraid God won't make right? Finances? A job? A relationship you fear won't work out? Maybe you got a diagnosis that isn't fair? God is really, really good at running the universe, and we can trust him. In this life or the next, Jesus will make it right. He will 
give a blessing. He has only our best in mind. But it's always best. It's always best to meet Jesus before you actually meet Jesus. Have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior? If not, there is no better day than today. Let's pray. God, I give you thanks that you are just so good at running the universe. And you know, God, if we had a hard week, you know where we're struggling. And somehow, God, even on these days, we sense that you know us and that you're involved in our life and that you love us. And God, we do get discouraged sometimes that the world beats us up, that we let things that go wrong wear us so thin and we act like everything depends on us. And we have trouble just trusting, God, your hand. So this morning, I want to say that we trust you, we love you. We're going to respond, God, with love and grace and patience. God, deep within us, help us to love as you love. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And God, this morning, we, we sense that you love us immensely. And we, all, we haven't always returned that love to you. We're broken, sinful. And God, this day, we ask for your grace and your mercy as we put our trust in you. As we call you our Lord and Savior God, we want to start that journey and that relationship with you right now. So God, come into our hearts, into our lives. Forgive us of our brokenness and make us whole. Wash us, God. Thank you that your son paid the price that we would have paid. Because you're really, really good at running the universe. And you brought us to this moment to accept you as Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church Podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com, follow the Get Involved tab, and RSVP to our next meet and greet.